So let's, uh, let's open up to uh, First Samuel. Because, you know, when you have a, a daughter and you name her Hannah, it's time to look at the story of Hannah. And so, uh, if you guys may uh, have forgotten, but we've been on a, a sermon series on covenant. And so, uh, we're, we're going to take a, I mean, everything's connected to covenant, but where I was going with the covenant series, we're going to take a little uh, pause from. Uh, because, you know, I was away for a couple weeks and just listening to what the guys were preaching on and seeing what the Lord is doing, you know, it's just like, all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that at, at, at another time, maybe next week. But the Lord, I felt, was uh, just on this, and I was a little unsure of it uh, until uh, I heard Will Ford speak. And I was like, nah, the Lord, the Lord is on this. So who was here last week to hear uh, Will Ford uh, preach and teach? It was, it was a powerful time. And uh, for those of you that were not here, um, he's an African-American man from, uh, from Texas. And to make a long story short, uh, which is doing a complete uh, injustice, but essentially the Lord spoke to him in a dream and spoke to a white guy in a dream to go to Washington, D.C. during a, a demonstration. They, they got linked up together. And it turns out uh, that, the, uh, that Will Ford, who's the African-American gentleman, his ancestors were slaves in, in the South. And this gentleman, his ancestors were the owner of the slaves that so happened to be Will Ford's ancestors. They're both born again. They're coming together, preaching a word of reconciliation and power. And it was just like, wow. Incredible, incredible story. And so for those of you that were not here, and I guess maybe I should begin with this, that, that this today is, 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 is really teaching on uh, what's called synergy. And it's something that Will began to talk about that was really just uh, dropped in my, into my spirit. And some people didn't know what, what synergy is. And synergy is just real simple. It's when multiple people or multiple things come together to work together to produce a greater outcome than anyone can do by themselves. Right? I mean, it's amazing. I mean, even Jesus works in synergy. Father and the Spirit. And even Jesus says, I got to go so that the Holy Spirit can come so that there's a spiritual synergy that takes place. It's the notion of like, if you just do what you do by yourself, you're only going to reach a certain amount of people and you can only do so much. Right? Many hands make light work, as the scriptures say. I mean, it's, that's what it is. But when you say synergy, it gets like all like, ooh. Man, it was, it was unbelievable. He, he was talking about how his ancestors, how they passed down through the generations from the days of slaves, this kettle pot. And now it's in his hands. And the power of this pot is that he said that the slave owners would not allow his ancestors to pray. They wanted to be Christians, but they wouldn't allow them to pray. Because if they prayed, it would bring forth hope. So they wanted Christians that would just obey their masters. But not Christians that were hopeful for freedom and true salvation. So what did his ancestors do down in Texas and the Louisiana border? What they would do is they would go into a barn late at night. They would put water in the kettle. Actually, they would turn the kettle upside down. And they would get down on their chests on the ground. And they would pray into underneath the kettle because the kettle would, would drown out the sound. And they would pray into this thing to muffle the sound. And what were they praying for? Freedom. 
freedom for their children and their children's children. You're like, oh, I mean, this guy, the story, what's in his bloodline, right? His spiritual bloodline was just like unbelievable. It's like, man, and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, Lord, what about my bloodline? What about your bloodline? Like, what's going on? I don't got this like epic story, you know, that I'm aware of, you know? I'm a white guy whose ancestors were from Europe that were like farmers for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's like, I don't have any epic story. Like, what's the deal, you know? And the Lord just planted in my, my heart. He's like, you know what? You know, fine. Will Ford is the manifestation of his ancestors' prayers. But the Lord was saying, do you know that you are the manifestation of prayers that have been cried out in this place since the year 1920. Like, let that sink in for a moment. Right there, through this partition, in that brick and mortar, there were people that were praying for revival in Philadelphia, for revival in Bristol, and for the Lord to bring workers into the kingdom, into this place. Like, almost a hundred years ago. And so we get to join with the prayers and the hopes of the saints of the past. And it's the hopes and the prayers of the saints that met in that little room right there, but it's also the hope and the prayers of all saints that have come before us. It is not just Scripture say that in heaven there is a great cloud of witnesses that's looking down on earth. And I'm telling you, man, Isaiah is up there and he's like, yeah, I was praying for this guy how many years ago? And I didn't know his name, but I knew he looked like you or you or you or you. Like, there is a manifestation of people's prayers. And we are the answers in part to that. And that's like an unbelievable thing that just rocks me out of my mundanity of my spiritual walk. That I walking on earth and you walking on earth is the manifestation of prayers of people in the past. Like, what I'm doing right now is a manifestation of my mother giving birth to me and my mother and my father, the first thing they did with the doctors there, I didn't care, they raised up the child, me, and said, Lord, we give him to you. But there's thousands of years of people that have been praying for what? As the scriptures of God says in Romans, that so be it. Let the sons and daughters of God be made manifest. You are the manifestation of Paul's prayer in Romans. Talk about synergy! Paul is not here now, but you are. Isaiah is not here now, but you are. Jesus is not here. He's sitting on the right hand throne of the Father, but he gives the Holy Spirit and he is here to embark on a spiritual synergy to get things done on planet Earth. And I was like, yeah, now I'm excited, Lord. So for those of you who are like, you know, a little, you know, um, I don't know, little wordsmiths here. Oh, synergy, here's, here's the definition, right? The interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations substances or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Meaning, if you have more people working together, you're going to get more done. 
But I believe there's something... That is called a, a spiritual synergy, if you will. We are partnering with people in a way, not to be like too woo-woo, but we're partnering with people that are no longer here on planet Earth. We're partnering with their prayers and their dreams and their hopes and the things that they've done, the things that they have laid. And they may now be up in heaven, but we're here. And we're partnering with what they did. It's, it's a real thing, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, people in 1928, when they're starting this little Italian Assemblies of God church in Bristol, were they thinking that it would be as multicultural, as multifaceted? Would they even be thinking it would still be here 100 years later? Who knows? But we're partnering with that. And so this understanding uh, is actually found in a town in Israel, in ancient Israel, which is also a town today, a town called Shiloh, or in Hebrew, Shiloh. So it's funny because Jerusalem gets all of, the, all of the credit. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. But let me tell you this. Before there was a Jerusalem, there was a Shiloh. Shiloh, as we say in English, for 369 years, the little town of Shiloh was the location where the tabernacle resided. This is the place before David commands and tells Solomon to build a temple. Before David brings up the ark into Jerusalem, it's sitting in a town called Shiloh that like many believers don't even like pay attention to. You're like, dude, this is the place for 369 years where the manifest presence of God resided inside of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the tent. And it was there. And it's uh, several miles outside of Jerusalem, but it was there for that long. And what did this place do? It housed the presence and the tabernacle, the Shekinah of Almighty God. And it just so happens, it's also the place where Hannah, Samuel, and David all dwelt and all hung out. Okay? So, to give a little bit more understanding, here's a, uh, here's a video of Shiloh at present day. You get to see some archaeological uh, digs. If we can switch over the projection screen, Sharon, to the computer, uh, to not the, yeah, your computer, you got it. And just hit play, that'd be great. Tommy, you made a little louder. Thank you. 
So that end right there is a little bit of a joke. Michelle Fit, did you guys worship there? Yeah. Come on. The Fitz and uh, uh, <laughs> Pete Todd, they're crazy. Crazy in a good way. Like they went on an epic journey and they went to Shiloh and they just worshiped the Lord wow. there. Woo! <laughs> so there it is, right? There is the place that before there was a Jerusalem, there was a Shiloh. And at Shiloh, it housed the presence of God. And there's a cave right there to walk around. And they, look, they, 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 I mean... Eli, the priest, could have been there. Samuel could have been there. Hannah could have been there. David could have been hanging out there, walking by. Who knows? But they said like two years ago, it was, there was like a little shopping kind of area, and they dug it up. And when I say dug it up, they, they found this. They're 100%. This is the Shiloh. This is it. And so, okay, what, what does this mean for us? What, I, what, I, what I'm getting at here, and I felt from the Lord, is that the place of Shiloh is this perfect place to understand the importance of understanding of this synergy. Okay? So it's at this place that the presence of God is before Jerusalem, right? And it's a place where the stories of Hannah, Samuel, and David are all kind of moving through that, that, that journey. And essentially, these three have something to teach us. And these three people, they, they explain and show the importance of this notion of spiritual synergy of coming together, of maximizing our efforts in the kingdom. So here, a, a little understanding so you can really understand what's going on here. We need to take a look at who these characters are a bit. Hannah in Hebrew means grace. Grace. Shmuel or Samuel means God heard. David means beloved. So to fill it in, because I mean the story goes on for multiple books. We're not going to be able to read through all of it, but it, a little crash course in a little bit. We'll read more about it. But Hannah um, is barren. She can't have a kid. She's infertile. She's praying, 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 praying. Nothing's happening. But then something does happen, and she gives birth to a child. And the child, she says, shall be called Samuel, because God has heard my prayer. She takes Samuel and brings him up to Shiloh and says, I'm consecrating him and I'm giving him back to God. He shall be a priest. So she gives him, and there's a real cool story of Samuel learning to hear the voice of the Lord. And what's so powerful about Samuel is Samuel is going to be the prophet priest who is going to be the one who is going to anoint King David. And King David is going to do something, a lot of things, quite profound. And so this is how it all happens. And so essentially it's this. The prayers of grace, the prayers of Hannah, 
releases God to hear a Samuel who or which anoints King David, the beloved. A king who builds a God a resting place for God in Israel. The prayers of grace releases the hearing of God that brings forth the anointing of God. Okay? The prayers of grace releases the hearing of God that brings forth the anointing of God on planet Earth. Come on. And so we can stop right there without getting into the stories, but, you know, you want to hear more than that. This is the notion of spiritual synergy. So let's open up 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's, uh, let's read a little bit so we can fill in the missing pieces. But if you walk away with nothing, walk away with that today. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 5 says it this way. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. So this is Hannah's husband that is speaking who essentially they're talking about? He loves Hannah. She wants to give him a double. She wants he wants to give her a double portion. He loves her. He loves her. He loves her. But his other wife is the fertile one. And this is in verse six. And her rival, the other wife, also provoked Hannah severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. We jump down to. Uh, verse 8. So then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Oof, bad move. Bad move, husband. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant in favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. So here they were in Shiloh. Now they're going back home. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. They had sexual relations. And the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. 
So there's the little story of Hannah, and she pretty much goes missing. That's it. It's very interesting. Um, we, there's a concept in, the, in, the, in, in biblical narratives and understanding is that when you have important people that come onto the scene, they carry their whole lineage behind them. Hannah, it doesn't, she has no lineage. It was like trying to feel like, well, who are her parents? Like, which tribe is she a part of? What's going on? It's not Hannah, right? She's got no lineage in the scriptures and then in a, some kind of scriptural way, in some regards, no significance. People of importance carry their lineage. But what's going on here is um, what she is saying here is that I may have no lineage, but the divine purposes for my family line begin with me. I'm of no like mighty background. I don't have this pedigree. I don't have this stuff. I'm relatively insignificant. I'm here for like a, a chapter and a half in the Bible and I'm gone. But what she does say is that actually God's divine purposes and his lineage begins with me. I don't know how many of you are out there. You're like, I don't have any parents that are believers. My grandparents were not believers. My great, 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 great grandparents were a mess. You don't know who they are. You don't know what's going on. You don't have that lineage. You have to be like a Hannah and say, fine, I had no lineage, but the lineage of spiritual divine purposes begins with me and will go to my children. I'm setting the way right. I'm setting the pace right. So don't, don't, be, don't be like thinking about, ah, but my background is this, that, and the other thing. Come on. Hannah is infertile. She has no lineage. The other wife of her husband is making fun of her, belittling her. And she says, I am believing and I am taking a stand and I will be the first of my lineage to stand on the promises of God. And she prays and she worships in the place of Shiloh. But yet she is the fourth woman of the Bible who is infertile. And it's like, man, the Lord just hit me with this and it was this. Do you ever feel like your hopes and your prayers are infertile? There's no manifestation to your prayer. Something that you've been holding out for. Something that you've been praying for. You're like, Lord, how come it hasn't happened yet? In a sense, it's like a spiritual infertility. Now fine, Hannah, it's a physical thing, but some of our prayers are physical, some of them are spiritual, but the reality here is this, Hannah is praying and praying and praying and being made fun of, and somewhere deep inside of her, she knows and believes that the Lord wants to have her to have a child. But it hasn't happened yet. Come on, is anyone ever there? Praying for things, hoping for things, believing for things, promises. Why has it not happened yet, Lord? Whew! I love Hannah's heart. She has enough. Instead of wallowing in the despair and listening to the bickering of the another wife, that's really peculiar, she's sharing a husband... Instead of wallowing in that despair, what does she do? She goes up from her town, Ramat, to the place of Shiloh, to the place of the presence of God, and she worships God there. She worships God without seeing her promise yet. It still empowers her to worship the Lord. And then she's there, and the priest Eli blesses her. 
and says, oh, your prayers will be made manifest. You will have a son. You will have an inheritance. But when we read this story, it's like, Lord, like, man, come on. Like, this is a little unfair. I know. Like, I'm just being real with you, ever read the scriptures, you're like, it's a little unfair. Like, God, you're sovereign. You're awesome. I know you're loving. But this one right here is just a tad unfair. Well, this is one of the scripture verses where I, I'm like, it's a little tad unfair, man. 1 Samuel 1.5, we already read it. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Although the Lord had closed her womb. Like, really, God? She's this woman. She loves you. The father. She loves her husband. She's getting made fun of. She's praying. It's not that her womb is closed. Uh, closed, uh, closed for some interesting reason of, of diet or of chemicals. Or it says the Lord closed the womb. It's like, come on. That's not fair. It's not fair, Lord. Like, really? Well, his ways are obviously different than our ways. Why on earth would he do that? Well, we see a couple things here. Come on. And let's relate this to you. Why are your prayers not made manifest yet? Why do you feel like the prayers have been infertile? The answer is because you need to Walk out in synergy. Shiloh is the place of synergy. The Lord closes her womb. And what happens? What happens here is her unanswered prayers create a heart for intimacy and intercession. Like, she's not getting what she's holding out for, so what does it do? Many people just wallow in despair. Many people just walk away from the church. But what does a Hannah do? It's going to empower me to intercede and to have intimacy with my God and worship Him all the more. Is your womb, is your spiritual womb seemingly closed? You don't know why the things you've been praying for haven't happened? Amen. I'm going to tell you right now one of the reasons why it hasn't happened. Because the Lord is using it to draw you into the place of the, the tabernacle. Amen. Into the place of the presence of Shiloh. Amen. Hannah leaves Ramat, the place of her worry and her despair. And she goes up to Shiloh, the place of the presence of God. It's a place of intimacy. Now look, I am not saying that the things that you are work, walking through are always the Lord closing them. There may be other factors, other things. But there are things where, at least in the Scripture, right, the Lord is the one who's doing it. Look, there may be just things you just got to kick out some devils, right? You may need deliverance, you may need prayer, there might be something else that's going on. But there are times, at least in the Scripture, where... Pff, like, come on. 
so wrong. No, it's not wrong. It's wrong if you think about it the way that you want to think about it. But if it's going to be a motivation to bring you closer to my presence, come on. Anyone go through a really hard time, the only thing you could do to survive is to go to the place of the Lord. And then a couple weeks later, a couple months later, man, everything is hippie, skippy, yippy, right? And now you're like, oh, maybe I, uh, maybe I don't need to spend as much time with the Lord. Well, I love him, but, you know, things are going so well, I don't really need to cry out to him. But this is what's going on. It's, it's I want intimacy with you, Hannah. Come into my place. And she gets it. She understands, because what does Hannah say once she finds out that she's pregnant? And Hannah prayed and said in chapter 2, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Now, I want to ask this question. Would that be written right there, and would that be a manifestation of Hannah's heart if she got pregnant right away? Maybe. I know me. Probably not. It was me. But it's that difficulty of time that produces an understanding of the salvation and the deliverance of God for your life. What does it also do, this closing of the womb? It teaches a concept of spiritual synergy. The priest, Eli, has to bless Hannah. So we have another person that's coming involved. And now it's going to become made manifest. So she goes into the place of the presence of God, and the priest comes and blesses her. This is, I mean, this is such a great connection to the high priest of Jesus. It forces us to get the blessing. It forces us to reach out and have intimacy with Jesus. Who's there boldly, sitting on the right hand throne of the Father, raising right prayers of intercession for you and I. And so now Samuel is born. God has heard. The inheritance, the manifestation happened. Give the worship team, come on down, please. She prays. Her womb is closed. She receives a blessing from the high priest. How much better that we have a high priest, Yeshua, Jesus. Now she's born, or Samuel's born. God has heard my prayer, Hannah says, and names him Samuel. You know, I was just going before the Lord with this and just kind of thinking like, Lord, what are you speaking to us with all this? And this thing of synergy and will forward and what's going on? And I felt the Lord was just speaking to me. He's like, people in the church today, we have so much emphasis on our prayers and what we want. And it's important to pray. I think if we asked the Lord a little less and just worshiped a little bit more, we probably would get what we need. Not what we want, but what we need. 
But there's so much focus on what we're praying for that we lose sight of some things. And one of the things we lose sight of, because we're praying about what is to come, you forget something. You are Samuel. So many people live their life as a Hannah, like praying for the thing to come. And you forget that there already was a Hannah that was praying for you. And you're it. Poof. To this, you are the result of countless prayers. You are what people were praying and hoping for. You are a part of God's divine plan for Bucks County in this generation. You see, what happens here is this. We have a tendency to do this. We have a tendency to focus on what will be and we forget what is. Come on, this is, I'm telling you, if you receive this, there's, there's a revelation of freedom that is released. So many of us go through our life praying, praying for the thing that needs to happen and you forget that you are the answer to someone else that's been praying for you and you are the revelation and instead of walking in the revelation of your divine plan, you're spending all your time and your worry praying for something else. You are a generation of Samuels. There was a little 80-year-old lady a hundred years ago praying for you to come into this place. Right up on that stage for eight years, I and a prayer team were praying and wallowing and groaning in spirit. Lord, bring the people. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And you came. You are the manifestation of prayer. Eight years of prayer, a hundred years of prayer, thousands of years of prayer. So we need to stop always focusing on like, but we just need more people. And we just need a roof fixed. And we need this and we need this revival. We need this revival. Stop focusing on so much that will be and focus on what is now. Because if you don't focus on what is now, you are putting under feet all of the prayers of the saints for this time in, in history. It's such an ungrateful spirit. It's such an American thing. Make it bigger. Make it more. And the Lord is saying, come on. You are a Samuel. You are the manifestation of all of those prayers. So now walk in that calling and do something. That little eight-year-old lady was praying, groaning in her spirit, day in and day out. And she probably saw visions of your face and of your personality. And she groaned and she prayed and she fasted. And now you're here. And I'm convicted because I'm always praying for, for, and for groaning and fasting for the people. And the Lord is just like, hello, David. You're here. They're here. The prayer has been answered. Now walk in your anointing as a Samuel.
sons and daughters. All of creation is yearning. It's the scripture that all of creation has been yearning. Humans, trees, rocks, the sun, the stars, the wolf, the fish, the bacteria, the viruses, all of them have been yearning and waiting in expectation that the sons and God will be revealed on planet Earth. And we're here. We're here. The Lord answers the fervent prayers of a righteous man. And he's answered them. And now we need to adopt that. We need to pull on that mantle. And we need to do something. Otherwise, their prayers were for nothing. And that little old lady sitting up there in the great cloud of witnesses would be like, I've been praying for you for a very long time when I was on planet Earth. And now you're there and you are squandering my prayer. You're squandering my prayer. Come on. The prayers of Hannah released to Samuel. And God heard. God promised the answer. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see Samuel's life a little bit. And it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And in verse 10, it says that God spoke. The Lord's word was so rare, but when Samuel gets on the scene, the Lord speaks. And you're going, well, why, why did God now feel suddenly moved to now speak to man? Was it Samuel's faithfulness? Yeah. But more than Samuel's faithfulness, it was really Hannah's prayer. Hannah's prayer of a previous generation that touched the heart of God, that moved God to speak. Hannah's prayer of grace released a Samuel generation of God hearing. And I'm telling you right now, prayers are being heard for this region and for this generation. That is the spiritual synergy. The Hannahs are the previous generation. The Samuel is the now. The Shiloh is this place. A place of dwelling in the presence of God. God hears our prayers. Talk about synergy. People have been praying for generations for this area. I'm telling you, there's so many things that are happening. Philadelphia Tabernacle of David, Jamie Fitz uh, organization, has just been praying and praying for the region and, and we're joining with them in, in, in activities and they're joining with us in activities. And there's a synergy that's starting to happen even and Jamie and his family have been coming out to church here. There's a relationship that's being born and created. I would have never thought that happened when I first met Jamie when he was 17 and I'm 15. I have no idea. Heart of David movement. Jose and Dana, they're moving up here and, and, and stirring things up and bringing speakers in and doing all this stuff. And of course, Bristol Hope Assembly. I'm telling you people, it's time to get excited. God is doing stuff. He's bringing a synergy of the children of God, not to New York City per se, not even to Los Angeles, but to a little place called Bucks County, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And so like Samuel, we help provide the atmosphere of the anointing for David. 
Hannah's prayer for Samuel was to release a David. Hannah didn't know it. Hannah prays for her son. But you need Samuel to anoint a David, a righteous king. And what does David do? David builds a resting place for the presence of God. That's our objective. The people before us were praying you in. You and I are here, a generation of Samuel. And what's our duty? Our duty is to go out in the fullness of the gospel and provide an anointing and an atmosphere for a dwelling place of God. In this place. In this region. Amen? But in order to do that, in closing up, in order to do that, the Samuels must arise. See, Samuel was asleep in the tabernacle, just sleeping. But he had to get up. I feel the Lord is telling for this church prophetically, it is time for the Samuels to wake up. Get up from your slumber. Get up from your sleep. Get up from the apathy. You got to get up. 1 Samuel chapter 3.10 Now the Lord came and stood. The Lord came and stood next to Samuel. And called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. I believe right now the Lord is standing in our midst and he's speaking to all of us and saying, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. There's a call of God that is going forth for a synergy of the Spirit. Let this be our prayer. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. We need to respond, not by doing, but by listening. I'm telling you, the Lord wants to do something new in this region. After Samuel listens, the Lord says, I am going to do something new in Israel that's going to cause every ear to tickle. I want to use you, Samuel, to be a prophet of repentance and leading people back to the Lord. Father, I just, we just come before you. And Lord, I pray that the people here, including myself, will acknowledge and adopt the understanding that this is a generation of Samuel right now. And that you are speaking. And Father, I pray that we the people will be able to say, Hineni, Shmati, here I am. I am listening. Those are bold but simple but bold words. 
I'm here. I acknowledge you're here. And I'm willing to listen and to lay down all the thoughts and the sounds that are going on in this universe. To hear my master's voice. To be willing to impart the atmosphere of heaven on earth. In a place called Shiloh. Lord, I pray that Bristol would be a, a likened, likened unto, a, unto, unto Shiloh. A place of synergy, of the coming together of the Hannahs and the Samuels and the Davids. A place where your presence is housed. Amen. I'm fired up on this message. I want to encourage you. I believe the Lord wants to speak to you right now. I encourage you, if you want to be a Samuel and you're like, I just don't hear from the Lord. I don't know what his plan is for me. Come on down. I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray forth that the Lord is just going to bring forth the prophetic word for you. So please, come on down. If you're just like, I need, I need to hear my thought, my daddy's voice. As the worship team uh, continues to play, have a wonderful week. We have our refreshments downstairs. Feel free to stay in the presence of the Lord. But I'm telling you, if you want to hear a word from the Lord, come on down and get some prayer. Come on, Lord. Lord, if I just pray you release the Samuels right now in our midst. Come on, Lord. We're here listening, saying, here I am. Here we are, a generation that seeks your face. A generation that seeks your face. Generation that seeks your face, that seeks your voice. We want to hear from Abba. We want to hear from Daddy. Your servants, your servants are here listening. Speak, oh God, yet again. Speak again, oh God. Rattle our souls, rattle the walls of our heart and speak. Have a wonderful week. Blessings.